This is the Dudes Being Dudes podcast where we touch on everything Campbell baseball. And in this conversation, we sit down with Kobe Collins, who was the MVP of the Big South Tournament and really came out on fire. He had seven hits, a couple of home runs, helping Campbell win the Big South Championship. Then was even better in the Greenville Regional, a huge home run against NC State. He had a couple of dingers in that regional as well. And Kobe was one of the hottest hitters in the country in the final three weeks of the season. So we touch on that basically from game to game, what allowed him to step up and really produce from a home run standpoint. And also, too, in his junior year, he wasn't a main starter until conference play. So what flipped the switch and allowed Kobe to play? And then even some thoughts on this senior class. He's one of the 15 seniors, and of course right now not able to play because of the coronavirus, but this group had seen a championship run, a lot of junior college kids coming together. So unique perspective from Kobe. So here's our conversation with the Houston, Texas native. So, Kobe Collins, first and foremost, thank you for joining us on this podcast. And I want to dive right into last postseason in 2019 because Seth Johnson put it best. He said, postseason Kobe Collins is maybe the scariest hitter I've ever seen. What was rolling through your mind from a confidence standpoint once the postseason got started? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first things first, uh, I'm just I'm thankful for Seth and everything he's done for me. That's awesome uh, hearing that from a guy like Seth. And during the postseason, I just I had all the confidence I could ever imagine. Um, I put in the work. I stayed after practice, did this, did that. And the team was having fun. We were rolling, and it seemed like it was the right time to click for me. The, the weather was warming up, and I'm a huge fan of that all throughout my baseball career. So, During the regular season, you had one home run. In the postseason, you had four and, and plenty of hard-hit baseballs. Had you been through a stretch like that before? Absolutely. I mean, throughout high school and junior college, I kind of started off not the hottest, and I would end where I want to be. And it was always hard for me to find that that confidence that I need, like how I did at the end of the year. I need to be able to do that throughout the year. And um, when I found it, I knew I knew it was about to click and we were going to do something special as a team. It had to be neat at the plate, too, because every time you'd step up, there was a confidence in your teammates. Obviously, you sort of had that yourself. But kind of take me through the Big South Tournament first and foremost, because you were the MVP of, the, of that tournament. And just how things got started in the Charleston game and then how the momentum kept carrying for you at the plate those next couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. Before the um, before the tournament even started, I was sat there and told myself, whatever happens, happens. And I know that I put in the work to show a good outcome. It's just whether it's going to come or not. It's the game of baseball. And during that whole – the whole conference tournament, all the regionals, the only thing that crossed my – mine was hit the ball hard if I think hit the ball hard I'm more than likely I have to see the ball to hit it and the thing I continue to do to this day is think in my head hit the ball hard and hope for the best absolutely and you ended up seven for ten in the regional with a couple of home runs and I want to get your thoughts in the post-game ceremony after you guys won the title because one of the associate commissioners comes over Mark Bryant and and we're all looking at the all-tournament team and all the different awards how surprised were you by winning the, the tournament MVP, and what was that reaction like from your teammates? Yeah, that was awesome. I had Zach Menick and Barefoot right next to me up there standing. And, of course, I mean, in my mind, I was hoping that one of these guys would win it because they're a senior. Uh, Barefoot was a junior, but I knew he was going to be gone. And when I heard my name called, it was just – it was 
one of the best experiences I've ever I've ever had in my baseball career. Um, it was it was extremely special to me, um, and that was something I've never accomplished in my life. A tournament MVP for such a big like a big tournament or yeah big tournament and that was awesome and that really carried over the next week so we go six days later and you guys had played nc state a couple of times during the regular season both at home and on the road and i want to get a sense from you in that first inning because things start with an error from nc state and then Luis sneaks a ball to the outfield and all of a sudden you know a run's coming in and there's some momentum but you know boy your, your home run really changed things what was going through your guys' mind at the plate? And then I guess, because we see the reaction on Twitter of you flipping the bat in the air, but just take me through that that first pitch when you were able to knock the ball out of the park. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first thing on deck, I was, of course, I was a little nervous. It was my first regional at bat, and I was nervous. I mean, that's a big, big venue to play at. ECU has crazy fans. NC State has crazy fans, and, I mean, I had butterflies walking up to the plate, but I knew as soon as I got into the box that I've been doing this my whole life, and it's still just a game. Yeah, how much fun was that moment when you're rounding third and you get to high-five Justin Heron? Obviously, the game was far from over, and especially with the rain delay. I mean, gosh, there was a whole other day to play. But just the fact you guys were up four to nothing and you kind of felt like you could relax and, and enjoy the moment. Oh, yeah, that was a great feeling. I mean, I knew we weren't going to be able to relax because they were, NC State was such a good team, but – I knew that we were having fun and we were locked in and we were going to do something special. What were some things that you tried to do? And I'm speaking during the rain delay because they were at, you guys were at the park for maybe five or six hours and then you went home. But during that time, what helped you cope with the uncertainty of when you were going to play? I mean, Coach Hare and all the coaches, they always tell us um, we got to be ready at all times. They had told us from the second the rain delay started that – no matter what's going to happen, we're going to finish this game and we need to be ready. And during the Randall, I mean, we went down in the tunnel, we hung out, we had some food. Um, but honestly, the whole time, I just kind of laid there and enjoyed the moment I was in. I listened to music and enjoyed my teammates. We had some games going down in the tunnels, uh, people just talking, have a good time. And I don't think I'll ever forget it because it just showed the brotherhood that we have and how special we were as a team. You can be honest with me here. You know, when I went to bed that night, there was an anxiousness and kind of a, an, an excitement of, hey, let's get three more outs. Let's keep this tournament run going. Yeah. How did you fall asleep, you know, knowing the team was up, I think, by a run in the ninth and just knowing, hey, there's there's still three outs to go? Yeah, I mean, I fell asleep pretty, like, pretty normally. Um, wasn't too nervous because I knew our staff and our pitchers that they were going to get it done. We were up one, like you said, and I knew that we were going to come in and finish it because that, that was our goal, and I know that's what we're meant to do. So you're confident over there at first, and then all of a sudden Colin Wolf gets the ball in a play that, you know, they had a runner at second. If that ball gets away, the game's over. Did you close your eyes and pick it, or how did you finish <laughs> out the game? No, not at all. I knew for sure Wolf was going to make a decent throw. He's one of the best fielders I've ever played with in my life, and at that point it's just something it's trust. And I trusted that he was going to make the play and make the throw, and we are going to finish the ball game and get a win. It certainly led to a crazy week throughout that whole regional. And I want to get a sense from you, too, in that Quinnipiac game with all the ups and downs and, and the lead changes. You and Colin then step up and hit home runs back-to-back. What was going through the lock, the not the locker room, but the dugout at that time, and how crazy was it just to see the, the, the ebbs and flows of that game? 
Oh, yeah. That game, just in general, was awesome. By far the best game I've ever been a part of in my life. Um, emotions up and down. Both teams screaming and hollering in the dugouts, you know. Just having a good time playing the game. And once Wolf hit that backside home run, I'll never forget it. I came up and I was like, well, I'm not going to try and do the same thing here. I just want to get a base hit. And I think I got down to two strikes and I ended up flicking one out to left. And it was it was unreal. The stadium was loud. The dugout was loud. Coaches were happy. I mean, it was just one of the best experiences I could ever imagine. Speaking of great experiences, I know the team came up short in the regional final, but I, I want to get a sense from you because we felt it in the press box, especially that second game when it was the, the do or die for both teams, and I think more fans kind of showed up in the afternoon. But just as you're getting ready to play that game and you're looking around, what are you noticing and, and what's that atmosphere like from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I looked around the stadium multiple times that whole regional just because I had never played in front of that many people. And it was something that was special to me. A lot of people, it's going to make them nervous. But to me, all I thought in my head was, these people are here to watch me play a game that I love. So I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to play the best I can. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put pressure on myself because in the end, that's what the fans want up from the other team. Yeah, and you know, you're right because you can get overwhelmed by the heckling and the loud noises. But then yeah, absolutely. all of a sudden you fold in the pressure. I'm curious with your story, Kobe, because it, it is very similar to a lot of players with the junior college background, but you had mentioned in a couple of interviews with us that your recruitment was very late in your sophomore year at Blinn College, and I'm kind of just want to get a sense from you how it all got started with Campbell, and even just so late in the process, were you uncertain? How did you kind of uh, find a way to, to get to that next step? Yeah, so Campbell had called me uh, probably midway through the season, um, and I was a little skeptical about it because it was just so far away from home. And I had told the coaches I was going to look for something a little closer for home. But if not, I would love to be a, I'd love to be a camel. And um, a couple of weeks passed by and they end up calling me and saying, we need to know then the next day if, if you would like to come here or we're going to have to go recruit another person. And I said, absolutely. Yes, sir. I'm going to talk to my family. Uh, we'll make a decision. I'll give you a call the next day. And, the next day I called Coach Hare and Coach Robinson, and I told him that I want to be a fighting camel, and to this day is the best decision I've ever made. What's that like as a player? Because I'm always curious, you know, with recruiting, a lot of times you see in, in different sports, they'll tweet out the, the image of the team that offered them, or, hey, here's my top eight, if let's say it's a big-time quarterback in football. But from a baseball perspective, what are those conversations like when, like you said, they can be very honest and, and blunt with you? Yeah, I mean – Growing up, I've I always wanted to play D1, and I never heard of Campbell. And growing up, I always wanted to go to the, the big Texas schools and just be in Texas because that's what I was used to. And luckily enough, uh, when Campbell came around, I, I did some research, me and my parents, my family. And it, it ended up being a beautiful campus. It still is. And I'm blessed to be here. I really am. During that first season, so let's say 2019, you didn't have necessarily maybe the start you would have liked, more off the bench in a pitch-hitting role. But then in the start of conference play, things really started to change. And I think a lot of the, the fans and a lot of us watching from the press box side of things noticed a, a transformation with your playing time and also your performance. What clicked for you, let's say, middle of March when you did get more reps in the lineup and kind of carried that out for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, the more ABs you get, the more – like you're going to get in a groove. And once you get in a groove – 
if you get hot, it's going to be hard to stop a hitter that's hot. And once that hitter is hot, it's by far one of the best feelings you can have as a hitter because you feel like you can go up there and you can hit anything. You can throw me your best pitch. You can throw me your, like, go-to pitch. It doesn't matter. I'm going to hit it. And at, during that time, I knew that I was I was going to get in the lineup eventually. Um, some people were struggling, and I had been working my butt off on the field, in the weight room, just honestly trying to get healthy because I had been injured all fall. And I knew my time would come, and funny story is, actually, the first game at High Point, uh, during In-N-Out, I broke my nose. And I was supposed to be my first start, and I had to get it delayed, pushed back till the next day. So that's something I'll never forget as well, because I was about to get my first Division One start and ended up breaking my nose during In-N-Out, which was crazy. Hey, well, it, it paid off for you, because in the first game you played, you had three RBI. But, yeah, that is kind of unique, of course. You, you wait a month into the season, let's say, and it comes out that way. Yeah, absolutely. I remember Coach Harry just coming up to me and saying, dude, you got the worst luck out of anyone I've ever met. <laughs> we both sat there and laughed, but in the end, it, it worked out for me, so I'm thankful. We've had Tyler Shoemaker on the podcast, and, and he's touched on this a lot too, but the work ethic that you had to, whether it was a slow start or maybe not getting the playing time, but to keep it putting in that work and that effort, where does that motivation come from from you, You know, not only last year but this year as well, and just how does that play out in your day-to-day? I mean, every day I just I want to better myself in some way. And I have a huge shout-out for Coach Shu because if I ever ask him to throw to me, hit me ground balls, do this, do that, he's always there. And without him, I don't think I could put in half the extra work that I do. So uh, we have a really close relationship, me and Coach Shu, and that's something I'll never forget. That guy is a brother, a coach. He's, he's everything to me. And with him being such a – like a young, or still being a young coach, I think we can connect and – he connects with players too, but the work ethic, it just, it's something that I've always had. Baseball is a passion for me and I i love to do it. I love to play the game. It's neat to see his rise as well. Kind of like yours, you know, somebody who was a, a volunteer kind of getting his foot in the door and, and here he is now as a full-time assistant. Kobe, I wanted to ask you, cause Justin had brought this up with us a little bit, and especially with the nature of baseball where you have, 35 on your active roster but you'll carry more than 35 in the fall what's that competition level like just to make the active team and I know for you you were somebody who had to work his tail off just to make the the 35 man and and get on the team last year oh yeah coach Harry tells us every day every day we practice play do anything in the classroom we're getting evaluated and the first time he told us that it kind of went through my head as this is this is serious I want to be a part of this, and this is something that I want to be a part of and make an impact throughout the year. And since then, I think that's just it's how my life is now. My life has honestly changed. I'm a lot more in need. Um, I don't know. It's just it's changed. It's it's a shame, obviously, for a bunch of reasons that this 2020 year didn't get to play itself out. But I do want to ask you, just as you guys were sitting down with the seniors and I almost call them the Brady Bunch plus a, a couple extra stranglers with all the seniors you had. But just as you guys were getting ready for the season, kind of your thoughts and your mindset about trying to three-peat, if you will, and continue this Big South success. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we had to get through the fall first, and that was the first mission we had um, was to get as strong, as physical, and as mentally tough as we could. 
because we knew when the spring came, we were going to have a target on our back. And when we have a target on our back, people are going to throw their best guys. They're going to, they're going to try and score those extra runs. And I don't know. It's just, it's a different culture here. And we have to work every day for what we have because we know people are coming after us. How do you think, and, and this may not be the case, but just something that we've always noticed is with the collection of junior college players who may or may not have been either overlooked or just maybe not gotten to the places they wanted, like you kind of mentioned. But how did, how does that bring this group together, I guess, and, and maybe motivate them even more? Oh, yeah. Juco players, they're, they're a whole other breed. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, like, the freshmen that come in and they put in the time and the effort. But we, we went through two years of no hours restrictions of living in – like, I, I lived in a little moldy apartment for two years, and I came out to the person I am today, and I'm thankful for it because JUCO is a grind, and it just makes Division One, it just makes it that much better when you, re- when you reach it. And I know that since we are a bunch of JUCO players that we all have that work ethic, and we all want to be better, and we want to reach the top goal, which is Omaha. It's funny to think, too, how close last year's team was to Omaha. You know, literally just three wins, three if you will. And, yeah. and who knows what could have happened, you know, if you get through the Greenville Regional. But that's always something that's so close and tangible. I do want to ask you, with some uncertain times, sort of just your thoughts on having a month now, if not more, to reflect on not only your baseball career, but just your academic career as you look to graduate here soon with that business administration major. And maybe just specifically in terms of a question – what have you learned during this month of quarantine? Yeah, I mean, I think what I've learned the most is you just can't take anything for granted. Coach Harry told us multiple times that we never know when our last time to put the jersey on would be. And after we were told that our season was canceled, that's the first thing that went through my mind. And I still hope that I get another year next year, but it's just it's hard right now because you have nothing to do. You sit there and think. Um you think about school, you think about uh, baseball, but in the end, I got to get my grades right first, and if I get my grades right, then I'll be eligible to play baseball, or I'll be able to work, whatever whatever comes in the future, and I'm, we still don't know. So, I always find it funny that the final game that Campbell and, and most teams eventually played was, was that Wednesday night, and... It was kind of fitting that it was a rain-delayed start. The game went past oh, yeah. midnight. It, I think it actually ended on the next day, the March 12th. But as you guys are going through that game, you know, it's a back and forth. There's a bunch of errors. Not the cleanest game, if you will, but Campbell ended up with the win, and, and that was great. But did you guys have some thoughts about, hey, this may be our last game? Obviously not knowing what was coming. I don't think any of us did. Yeah. But just as that game was going through, what, what was happening in the dugout? Yeah, I mean – on the dugout, we were locked in, but after we went in and out of the dugout, I think the last time we, we were sitting there and, of course, everyone's reading Twitter and seeing all these other schools cancel and their seasons are getting canceled. And we knew it was coming. We just didn't know when. And when it did hit us, it was it was saddening because our brotherhood was something and our team was something that will never, never be broken. And hopefully – We'll get a chance next year to do the same thing, but we're going to have to lose some guys here, lose some guys there, and just um, we're just going to have to change for it. I guess my final question for you, Kobe, you know, since this is a big senior class, and like you mentioned, you know, not all 15 may be coming back. It just depends on some things that are uncertain at the moment. But 
Did you guys have a, a nickname for your group or any, you know, small groups of, of little cliques or things of the such large senior class? No, uh, the seniors didn't have any any name for ourselves. The only I'd say the only really thing we have group wise is the staff, which is the pitchers, and then all the bigger dudes are just they're called big bodies. So I think that's and the bulls, of course. Can't forget about the bulls. Yeah, those catchers, so, they uh they stand out. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Kobe, uh, I appreciate you jumping on this podcast. I did want to touch on, too, while I had you for a second, um, just the fact that in that Furman series and kind of the final two weeks, if you will, you were starting to get back to what we all saw was the Kobe Collins of last year. What was it like for, from your standpoint of just seeing the – obviously getting extra base hits and, and really starting to pick it up at the plate here those last couple of weeks? Oh, yeah. I was starting to feel good, and I knew something was about to heat up. And it sucks that they had to end like this because – it was my senior season, and I thought I was going to be able to go out with a bang, and I felt like I was heating up, and good things would have started happening. And I felt like the team was about to start clicking, and we were just going to we we're going to reach a point where we were going to Omaha, and that was going to be the only decision. No, that would have been great to see, and, and like you said, hopefully you know, a lot to be determined at, at a bunch of schools, not just Campbell, but hopefully next year we'll get most of the, the Brady Bunch and a few back, and, and then you know it'll be fun to see next year. <laughs> The Brady Bunch. That's awesome. Thanks, Kobe. Appreciate you jumping on the <laughs> podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you.